Yeah, I was about to say, you probably don't want to do that. Exactly. Yes. Yes, right. No, he's completely agreeing with me. Why are you talking to me right now? Yes. Well, I agree. Perfect. Thank you. Finally, can someone you, sees it my to, way. <laughs> yeah. Can you wait till we're done? Wait till later. <laughs> Patience is a virtue. Which is what we can tell all the listeners when we do part two. Yeah, I think he wants to uh, go to the O-U-T-S-I-D-E. Um, sit. <laughs> no, sit. Like, no. Sit. Would that help you if you Stay. were in this situation? <laughs> Just sit. 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 Good puppy. Stay there. Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm Zach. And this is Fireside Swift. How's it going, Zach? It's going well. How are you? It feels like we talked not that long ago. It it's like less than forty eight hours. Is kind yeah, of what I feel like was it? When was it? You know, but well, yeah. I mean, it was it was actually longer than that. It was about a week ago. But uh, because the I had some technical difficulties with our uh, podcast platform, I was listening to us talk like two days ago. Why? Why are you ruining the magic? I was trying to. I was trying to let our listeners know that we just we do this organically and it just magically appears. It magically gets onto their phone. We have our conversation and then it's automatically uploaded. Automatically, not automatically. Exactly. Why? Why did you have to ruin that for me? Sorry. God. There is no magic. Hate to break that to you. Harry Potter was wrong. You're just a muggle. (laughs) You're just a muggle. You're just jealous. Yeah. fantastical world uh but no seriously um it is sunday night we last recorded on tuesday we had some technical difficulties and the show ended up being pushed back to for me it was early early saturday morning but i think you technically published it friday night your time I, actually i think technically i mean depends on what you consider night <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, it was after 12, I think, so I okay, think it was Saturday so morning. We'll just call night. it Saturday. Yeah. We'll just say Saturday. <laughs> so, sorry about that. We're going to try not to have that be the case in the future. Um, like I said, technical difficulties, and hopefully that won't be a problem again. Well, that, and on top of uh, last week, we had to push our record record date up a few days yeah. due to, you know, just life. Life, yes. Um, so, that, that didn't help either, but we're back on track this week, and hopefully, fingers crossed, Everything goes well. If you're listening to this and downloading it on Thursday, then we should be good. Yeah. So um, apparently we got something wrong last week. And it was very critical. Insanely critical. It's, I mean, it affects my life in a major way. Yes. Um, and it sort of affects my life, uh, but definitely, definitely more your life. Um, it, it doesn't really affect your life. You just get a, a dining buddy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, basically, we wanted to say sorry to Rob. We know you're not a cannibal. Uh, Joe, however, is. Um, I, <laughs> and... I don't know if I would say sorry to Rob or thank you for Rob. Thank you to Rob for not you know literally serving me up on a platter <laughs> joe on the other hand yeah um so it's jo- joe cabrera uh just oh, yeah. wanted to make sure you had all the credit for being the cannibal 
Yes, thank you, Joe. Um, thank you for being <laughs> our favorite cannibal. Yes, and, and I've, uh, I have two people that want to eat me now. Yes. and uh, Which is the highest that number has ever been that I know of. And I will definitely save you one of Zach's hands. Um, I, oh. I offered the foot. You suggested the hand. Uh, so I will give you a hand <laughs> when uh, we are done eating. So. Oh, the fact that he had to bring that up for you is so just sad, <laughs> saddening for me. Like, I just... Oh, uh, uh, you're better than that. You're better than that. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, basically, let's dive right into our topic today because it's sure. gonna be like a. I think this is gonna be a really. Um, I don't. Not a heavy topic necessarily, but this is. There's a lot there's to a, talk about. Exactly. Exactly. We can. Um, we've discussed it, and we could gloss over a lot of things, but that would be doing you as a listener a disservice and i wouldn't enjoy it if i were on the other end but and so we're gonna have to just dive right in get to it and uh, what are we talking about tonight uh, we're gonna be talking about core data core data yeah core data. i say data 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 so. I, I mean i watched enough star trek that i probably want to call it data but somewhere along the lines data became how i say that word <sighs> i don't know Man. why it's been a very disappointing start to this episode for me. <laughs> so, so you say data, or you say data, I say data. 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 Hard A. Data, data. Data. Let's call the so, whole thing off. Uh-huh. Let's, okay, yes, yes. Um, but that's that's about the only place we differ. Uh, I'm sure we differ on more than that, but, nope. you know. That's it. Oh, that's if it? I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure you taste better than I do. Oh, man. That again? <laughs> I was trying to pull you into that. Anyways. And... Uh, <laughs> we said we're going to dive we're, in. We're already, we're already we're on digressing. track. <laughs> we're already on track. All right. What core is, data. Zach, what is Core Data? So Core Data is a uh, framework um, that Apple is, puts out themselves, and it's used to store data on your phone or computer if you're writing a Mac OS application, um, and it'll save it to the disk. Yes. On on whatever hardware you're using. Do we still call it a disk? I mean, it doesn't spin. It doesn't, but can't remove I, it. I. Never. I don't. Yeah, but I really <laughs> everywhere I see it, it's disk. Yeah. I think that's just it's one of those things that it has been defined as disk for so long. Yeah, I, I, that, yeah. that's. I'd, I'd be curious, like, what what's the the right phrase? Because I don't know if it if disk is the right phrase anymore or the right term to use. Um, because, I mean, it's all solid state now. Like, nothing That's moves. True. Uh, it's not a disk anymore. No spinning um, platters. No spinning platters. Um, I mean, there is Fusion Drive, so maybe it's saving the disk on, you know, a Mac. Uh, but uh, definitely not on a, a MacBook Pro mm-hmm. anymore. Definitely not on iPhones. So, no, that would be really weird. But it would be, be weird to say to save to memory because that makes me think RAM and that it would disappear. It's, just, it's volatile, yeah. Yeah, so you are saving it to memory, but you're saving it to persistent memory, not RAM. So, I guess you want to be super technical. I'm totally being. I'm of, being like extra technical for some reason. That would be a good way to put it. We're I talking like about Cortana. Persistent, like <laughs> persistent memory. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be getting very technical. Yeah. So we're gonna try to be. Uh, we're gonna try to keep this as uh, service level as possible. But uh, every so often we are gonna have to dive in because uh, some of the unique things about Core Data um, require that. Um, but uh, bear with us. We'll definitely we'll come back to the surface again soon. I promise. 
Yes. Yeah. Before before your air tank reaches zero, yes. hopefully. So um, I think one of the things that I've noticed about Cordetta, and basically kind of what you were saying, it's a framework, uh, but it, it wraps, basically disguises how you save stuff onto your iPhone or, or Mac OS. Um, okay, that's an interesting, interesting way to put it. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it really, like you could, you could use Core Data to save to a SQLite database. Uh, it could be binary, it could be XML, mm. um, but mm. all of it gets, like all that's abstracted. Like that happens right. at the very bottom. Um, I don't even remember how you change that. I think it's in code where you select exactly what kind of database you save it as. And so you don't even really think about that when you're setting up core data and using core data in your code. Um, it's like, it really abstracts it. Um, okay. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the things I like about core data is that um, it's this nice interface and framework on a relational database. Um, okay. And basically, because I've done some SQL stuff before, uh, and... And what are your feelings about SQL? <laughs> uh, it's fine. <laughs> it sucks you to say, work with. <laughs> um, it, can, it can be a little rough, yes. Yeah, like, yes. especially relational stuff where, um, so normally you have like a one-to-many relationship, and that's, fairly easy to conceptualize, like array would be, I have one object that you know, has references to a whole bunch of different objects. There's yes. a one-to-many relationship right there. Um, but what if you have a many-to-many -many relationship? And especially in a database, that can get hairy. With SQL, you'd have to have a, you know, two, you'd actually have to have three separate tables to yes. be able to link that up. Yes, because you have to have the two tables and then the one table in the middle that maps to both of the them. other ones yeah and, and that's i've i've written sequels before that are many 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 lines long yeah. and it's because you're like okay i need data i need data but i need it from you know six seven different tables yeah, even. you gotta join and, them all together and yes and they yeah. all have to uh they all have to map to the exact same object that i'm talking about like when i say i want you know reference number zero zero three two four uh I need to make sure that whatever that is in in this table is the same as it is in the other six tables. Yep. yep. And how do I do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so like yeah, when you are a database designer like or a database architect, you're thinking about these things and it's not a problem for you cuz like that's what you do for a for a living. Right. Um, but for the rest of us, we like to think about it in the terms of models and how they relate to each other. So Correct. model objects and how these model objects have relationships. And so in core data, it abstracts that such that all you do is describe your model, what's in that model, like what, it, what its properties are, and then what its relationship to other models is. And once you've done that, core data will do the hard work of creating all the different tables in SQL for you. I know, it's, it's very, uh, lightweight in that sense, and I love it for that. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's that's why I use it. So I love it for that as well. But <laughs> uh -oh. there are that some sounded buts. like a fairly large but. There are some buts to this. Um, okay, 
Why does it always have to be this way? Oh, I know, right? Um, oh. There are some trade-offs when you use core data. It is very, um, well, it's, it's not thread safe. Um, so we'll start okay. with that. Um, okay, so what exactly do you mean by that? Well, we haven't done an episode on multi-threading yet, so... Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny how we keep stumbling into topics, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to go too deep in into this, but uh, basically, suffice to say, you can have many different threads when your program is running. Uh, like, you have your UI thread that handles all the controls on the, the front end, so if you tap a button, yes. it, it blinks and all that. Um, and then you could have background threads that, that do stuff and don't slow down uh, your UI. So like, let's say you've got a long running task. Um, we'll say you're fetching something from the internet. It doesn't uh, stop you stop the user from you know, tapping on any button and doing things. So you right, just... you don't want to block your user from actually interacting with your app while you have something else yep. happening. Yep. So when I say it's not thread safe, that means if I'm on one thread and I try to access data through core data um, on a on the on a different thread, it will crash the app. Oh, okay. Yeah. It just it just traps and there's no yeah. It, no coming there's back. no coming back from it. Um, okay. There's a funny little error that it'll say in Xcode and I, something about honor. <laughs> Oh, really? I don't remember what it is. It's like, uh, I should have looked that up before this episode because it's kind of funny. But um, it's kind of funny until you've seen it a hundred times and you hate to see it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So, so A, Cordata is not thread safe. Um, and B, even though we, we just mentioned how simple it makes these complex databases, it is still way more complex than most people need. Okay. And it's capable of doing far more than, again, what people usually need. So I'd like... So, oh, go ahead. So quick analogy. Uh, so it'd be like you need to get from your house to the grocery store, and what you need is a bike, and you end up buying a rocket ship. Yeah, yeah, or like, you know, a Hummer. And yeah. you're like, uh, yeah. well, I mean, it depends uh, on how many nice, groceries you're going to buy. But, you know, it breaks down more than my bike does, and it takes up a lot more of the road, and I can't drive it on the sidewalk, and I really wanted to drive on the sidewalk. I mean, I technically can with the Hummer, but I'm going to kill some right. people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if they're not quick enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I could probably step on the gas and make sure they're not quick enough. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's good, to have, <laughs> it's good to have, you know, options, yeah. user input like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So it's which what we're saying is when you need something simple to get you from to from point A to point B, maybe core data is uh, biting off more than you actually need. Yeah. And uh, Zach and I were talking about this before the episode. A lot of tutorials, like just just basic like boot camps and tutorials, will lead you to core data, possibly before you need it. Um, and honestly. Some of the topics we're about to talk about, I didn't know existed until about 20 minutes ago <laughs> because, you know, I've, I'm new to Swift. I've, I've watched YouTube videos. I've bought courses through, uh, you know, learning sites online. And uh, the Big Nerd Ranch, as, as much as I love them, I see core data everywhere. And I haven't really been introduced to a few of these other options. Yeah, and so that's that kind of leads right into it. I, I figure we'd start this whole discussion off with, let's talk about some alternatives to core data because 
maybe this is not what you need. And so, um, like, if you just want to save data onto your device, uh, like, you just want to, you want to have, uh, like, there, it's a drawing app, and you just want to be able to save those drawings on the device. Mm-hmm. That's all you want to do. You could use something called NS Coding and NS Keyed Archiver. Okay. And so you can basically describe in your object how you want it to be packaged up and saved and then use NS keyed ar- and that's with NS coding and then with right. NS keyed archiver that can save it to disk and you can specify which file you want it saved at like what the name of the file is and oh, okay. it, it will package it up into a binary save it into that file and when you're ready to unpackage it like let's say they start up the app again you can extract it from that file and it comes out as objects that you can use. So you're not actually you're not actually creating a database. You're not creating a database. In that sense, you're just creating some file. Yep. And then that file is uh, saved or well it's created, saved, read and updated. Yes. And deleted. Yes. If you want to do the whole yeah. crud. Yeah, it can do all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's so, cool. yeah, so like, let's say you just want to persist data. That is a way to do it and avoid all the things that you have to do with core data. Um, so that's, that's definitely one thing. Another thing that it is potentially even easier than that is user defaults. Okay. And so that's a key value encoding of data. Um, I wouldn't put a whole lot of data in this. Um, I don't, I, there, you're limited to a certain amount. Um, Whereas like the NS keyed archiver um, and NS coding, uh, you're you're not as limited to as you know the space that you can use. Um, and I don't remember if there is actually a limit to that one. Uh, oh really? Size, but I know you are with uh, user defaults. There's some limit there. Uh, but uh, now you just basically, you know, save it key value encoding, you know, all your data there um, into uh, user defaults, and you can access that later as well. And that'll, okay. That'll save. So that's that's fairly simplistic though right like if you just have you basically have one piece of data that you need to save and then you give it a name yeah as the key and then save it to user defaults and then you can retrieve that you can retrieve it whenever you want and okay. you can update it whenever you want to so okay. super super easy and then if you're doing that it's i haven't actually used this yet but from what i've heard cloudkit is very similar to user defaults so if you wanted to use user like the same kind of thing as user defaults, but persist it to any device that uses your app, mm-hmm. CloudKit Kit will do that. So oh, okay, that's nice. Is there a is there a data limit on that one? Um, that I don't know. I would assume there is, um, but uh, I'm not really sure on that. Uh, okay, I've seen like I mean I've seen people use CloudKit, um, at least use my. Uh, I don't know if it's CloudKit, but definitely uh, my iCloud Drive, like save games and stuff like that. Like, uh, it's gotten pretty big. So, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. Uh, okay. And, and I have to say, like, this is becoming expected behavior now, too. That... Right. Because you want, you want your data on every device you own. Exactly. If I save it on my phone, I expect it on my iPad. Uh, so, right. I, I would suggest starting to move to something like this. And right. if you're using core data, you don't get that right away. You're going to have to use something else to be able to persist that data. Um, right, so. because it's only on that one device itself. Yeah. You can't share it yep. anyway. Yep. 
what else is there? Um, another uh, simple one. Well, I guess th these are getting more complex. They're third-party databases, <laughs> uh, not Apple-related. But uh, I'll start with this, the simpler one. Uh, Firebase is a way of persisting data. Um, and it, okay. sh it can share data between multiple objects or multiple devices and uh, also be able to allow you to communicate with your friends and, and whatnot as well. So Right. And that's that's Google's back end. Yes. So in that case, you are actually uh, you have space somewhere within the Google. Yeah. <laughs> massive. Uh, One of their know, servers. Exactly. On their server somewhere. And um your app is making a call out to that that server, and that server is then retrieving the data and serving it up to your uh, your application. Yep, yep, and it does it in a unique way. I think one of these days we'll do an episode on Firebase. Um, I hope so. I yeah. really I really enjoy Firebase. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of it. Um, so yeah, it, it uses a, a NoSQL database, which basically is a, a JSON. Um, so if you're used to manipulating mm -hmm. JSON files. Um, you'll be very familiar with the way Firebase stores data. Yes. And then the last one I want to talk about, um, unless you've got some, Zach, uh, is Realm. Uh, Realm is another type of database out there. It's a third party. Um, it's similar to core data. Um, in some ways, it's faster. Uh, but there are certain gotchas to it as well. Um, but uh, if you are curious about it, it's realm.io. Uh, you may be familiar with it because of all the videos that they put out for like AllConf and other conferences and whatnot. Yes. So they're actually a database. They're not a video company. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> funny. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've used them in the past, and uh, they're a fantastic solution as well. Um, I would say that it's easier to get into Realm than it is to get into Core Data. Um, really? But there are some gotchas there too. Realm is pretty powerful, just like Core Data is pretty powerful. Okay, that's that's good to know. Um, the only one I really wanted to mention real quick was, you know, you can cache data, but it won't persist between uses. It's volatile. As soon as uh, your app closes, then it's yeah. gone. Yeah. And so you know, that's that's a fairly terrible user experience. You go, you save a bunch of files, and then you open it up the next day, and all of your work is gone. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that's, but that is one other way you can persist data for a tiny amount of time. I guess I shouldn't say persist data. Yeah, a, a way you can put data yeah. into memory for a, a small amount of time. Yeah, and it's something to note about that is remember that anytime you background an app, iOS has the, uh, I guess, authority to close that app in its entirety whenever it wants. So, yes. so like yes. you may think you're. You know, as long as they don't swipe, you know, swipe up on it and, you know, you know totally kill it, um, they still have their data. That's not necessarily true. If they just have it in the background, at, you know, iOS might, might uh, just destroy it. Right. And you have zero control over when that happens. Yeah, absolutely You not. can't. You don't you even can't just you tell don't, yeah. they don't, you the don't. operating system like wait, wait no no hold on hold on yeah. my user has some stuff here let's 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 not go crazy yeah you don't even get a notification like there's no like the app delegate doesn't wake up or anything like yeah it's it's just yeah, it's iOS just comes through and just punches <laughs> your app right in the face yep yep sends it home yeah it's like nope you're done <laughs> exactly. pack it up exactly. <laughs> Okay, so did we cover all the alternatives that we could think of to uh, Core Data? 
Yes, and and with all of that stuff out there, why why am I even using it in the first place? Like it sounds <laughs> like like we did a very good job of telling people yeah, you know, why and why not why, use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we can go and why would we want to use it? Some okay, so yeah, all the caveats are out now. So we're gonna dive deep into core data now. Yes. Why would you want to use core data? Um, yes, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. Right now. Uh, well, one of the ways like. Like data is complex, and data um, tends to have relationships to other pieces of data. Like um, I, uh, let's see, I own a restaurant, and I have um, tables to take care of, and each table has multiple people sitting at it that have ordered multiple different items of food. And I need to keep track of what everybody's ordered at every given point in time, how much their food was, so I can print out receipts, you know, be able to send the, you know, the food orders to the kitchen so the cooks can, can make it and all that. So that's a lot of data, a lot of little objects, and they all interact with each other. Right. How do I keep track right, of all that? You, uh, you, you don't. <laughs> you Just, don't? Everything is free. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, that's that's a good question. Um, a relational database could could grab all of that and keep it all together. Yeah, and I think that's where the power of core data comes into play. Is it's like we talked about before. You're describing relationships between data, and right. once you've done that, you can traverse those relationships and access that data that you need. Plus. Right. In addition, is this is also a way of saving your data to the device, so when the app gets killed, you can access it again later. Exactly. So now, what's if if I archived some data? Okay. We we didn't really talk about that. No, no. I'm trying to think about which where you're going with this. So if I if I archive data. Um, the the issue with archiving data and and trying to get it to persist is that if I wanted to uh, make a change to that data, I have to unarchive the entire file, and then rewrite it and save the entire file. Actually, we did talk about this a little bit. Yeah, um, with the uh, NS keyed archiver. Yes, exactly. You would ex absolutely have to do that. Yes. Um, right. So that that would be a pitfall for that. So that if you be. if you don't want to have to update that entire file every time you have, uh, like, say someone changes their order at the restaurant. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't want to have Imagine to Imagine that okay. massive file, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, anytime you touch data, there's a possibility that something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, so you'd have to overwrite everything, resave everything. Instead of making, like, you're like, I just have one item to change. Why am I making this huge change? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly a, a very valid point. Uh, especially if you want to save it right away, uh, because uh, it, like the example I used was like a drawing app, right? And like you're making changes to it, but you're not necessarily saving until you hit the save button. Mm -hmm. That that would make sense for the NS key archiver because you're only making that change as soon as you hit the save button, not anywhere in between there. Right. But if you wanted like every brush stroke. Or you know every you know you know little little every stroke. every time the the operating system picks up a finger like a movement yeah then right? you like would want to make incremental changes you wouldn't want to have you know, archiving wouldn't work for that 
No, that would be that'd be awful. You have to archive, unarchive, save, rearchive every time a person's finger moves yeah. on your, in your application. I mean, I guarantee, like, they're. I mean, the iPad is getting like super, super powerful, but I mean, it was it would stutter with that. Like, you would, it would you, have to. Yeah, it would have to. That'd be too much. But going you're on. at that point, you're asking too much of the operating system yeah. anyway. Yeah. Well, Ah, uh, jeez, this is, uh, I'm trying to think back, uh, John Syracuse says something about sympathy for the machine. Uh, you're definitely not <laughs> showing much sympathy to the machine there. <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> oh, man, you're just force-feeding it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so, um, okay. Uh, what else? So, go, go ahead. Oh, well, uh, so, to me, one of the reasons I like Core Data Mm-hmm. is that defining you know an entity and their relationships is is easy to do yes um, Xcode makes it really simple uh, and it's really straightforward in my mind to uh, to realize what all is happening and what all all of the relationships that are mapped out of even just one entity yeah you can see everything yeah. it touches and I, I love that it kind of it makes you think about that it goes both ways because it's really easy in like when you're creating a database, a relational database and you make a, a relation to another piece of data. Like it's really easy to forget that you, you might want to go the opposite direction. Right. Exactly. And and in core data, uh, you know, it it really just makes it obvious that you can and it, it makes it pretty easy. Right. Um, So yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm, 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 as we've stated on the show before, I am all for ease of use. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Okay. So we talked a little bit about why you should use it. Um, right. Oh, you know, I wanted to bring up another example, another really cool example of what you can do. Um, this is something that I've done with some of my apps, where I've got a a UI table, uh, UI table view controller. Uh, hooked up to core data and it's listening for changes mm-hmm. and you can scroll through the entire table and you know it's it's silky smooth but then if something changes it will automatically update the table view and right. that's something you could do with core data where like anything that saves updates that single object you could just change that one one row in the table view that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I've found that to be really nice, whereas other methods not so easy to do that. Right. Right. Cool. Okay. So how, Zach, how, how do we use core data? You know, now we, we've talked it's, about why. <laughs> it's, so using it, so how is it used? How, how do we use it or how is it implemented? Um, sure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I can talk a little bit about how, you know, core data as a system is actually implemented and kind of what goes on behind the scenes. Okay. Um, just to give a foundation. I mean, a lot of this, you know, you really, you really don't have to worry about because core data takes care of it on its own and just masks all of this stuff for for you. Yeah. Um, but I still think it's good to to understand what's happening and at least it gives you an appreciation for all the work that this framework is doing. Okay. So, 
when you are working with core data, you have something called an NS managed object context. That's a mouthful. And yes, a lot of these <laughs> are. Like I said, core data does a lot of work. You don't, yeah. uh, you yeah. don't have to worry about a lot of this. Uh, and it's responsible for, for holding on to the data before it's persistent. So you can still modify it and display it, but it's kind of like a scratch pad. Yeah, that's that's usually how I like to describe uh, context is literally just a scratch pad. It's a copy of the database. You can make all the changes you want until you tell it to save. You could throw that away and nothing will change. Right, and that's that's real nice too because like we said earlier, you don't want to keep making calls to save every time you make a single update. Yeah. So you can actually uh, uh, save up a bulk of these, save them all at once, and cut down on some of that job time. Yeah. yeah. Um, flip side to that is if you forget to call save context. <laughs> it won't persist uh, anything. <laughs> no, then you get nothing persisted, and you're looking through your code trying to figure out, wait, I just, I just saved all these objects, right? Well, you tap the save button maybe in the simulator, yeah. But because you forgot the to call the save context method, um, none of that actually made it to the database. But it is nice too, because like, what if you wanted to make incremental changes that, uh, you know, like affect your UI and whatnot, but maybe not persist that until they, you know, your user hits a particular button. You could do that as well. Like you have right. full control over that. Right. That's that, kind of nice. That's I love having control. Yeah. Especially in my applications, <laughs> especially in the applications I'm writing. Yeah. Um, so next up, there's a manage object model. Okay. And so this uh, works with something called the NS persistent store coordinator to send data down to what is known as the NS persistent store. Okay. What is the NS persistent store? So it is what is used to pu actually push the data down to the database, okay. which is SQLite usually. Okay. Um, I know it can do XML and binary, but a majority of what I have found um, just through tutorials and searching around on the internet, um, a majority of it is all SQLite. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the default. Um, I think right. you have to take it out of you know the default to, to change to XML or, or binary or something else. Right. Right, so th those are kind of uh, edge cases. They don't, they're not really seen all that often. And then the last piece is the file system where, where everything lives. Yep. It, so that's... It, what's interesting is you could actually, like if you put this on your app and you put it in the simulator in particular, you can dig down into your, like the files in the simulator and literally find your SQLite database. And if you have a SQLite uh, reader, um, you know, reader app on... on your Mac, uh, you could literally like look at the data, the tables that get created by Core Data, and that's that's very very important. It's great for debugging. For yes, sure. exactly because you need sometimes you'll need to know. Uh, I, I'm getting a weird value on the screen. Is it because of something in the database? Like, am I pulling my data correctly? Yeah. Or is my data somewhere getting transformed between the database and the UI yeah. that I need to look into? And I've I've seen bugs where you know data is saved incorrectly um, or fetched incorrectly, and being able to look into the database to see what actually made it there helps out so much. It does, absolutely. So do you have uh, a recommended SQLite viewer? Um, no, I don't. Okay, because um, I've, never, I've never actually done it on a Mac before, so I didn't know if uh, 
there were any out there that were big names. No, I've got one on my work computer. It was something that was free, you know, something open source. Uh, yes. But uh, no, I don't. I don't even remember what it's called, to be honest. Okay. So. <laughs> SQLite Viewer Version Two. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just so, Google it. You know, just, just, yeah, just, there and just Google, Google it. it. Yeah. Uh, Google is like. 85% of this show. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> That's like uh, 85% of my job. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to go there, but yeah. Only 85%? Really? It's more like 90 yeah. for me. Well, I mean, that's because you said you're a beginner. So, you know, uh, once you yeah. get to, you know, expert status, you gain that extra 5%. That, that 5%, and that's yeah. what makes all, all the, the difference. difference. All of the so, difference. <laughs> okay. So once I once I know I can reliably cut that 5% out, then yep. I'm good to go? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Okay. It's funny. You never really see that on job applications. You know, they really should, though. <laughs> right? Like, how well can you Google something? Like exactly. Put that on your resume. I wonder what would happen. Yeah, they, like, do, they do the I'm whiteboard. a very efficient Googler. They do the whiteboard interviews, um, but, you know, like, that's not what you do in your real job. Uh, you know. Right? And those whiteboard interviews, <laughs> like, it makes no sense. I've yeah. never once been asked to uh, code something from scratch on a whiteboard yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, they do the, uh, the algorithm. Tests, right? Yes. Oh, um, know your bubble sort. I haven't. You gotta really know your bubble sort. I have never implemented a bubble sort of any kind for any of my apps because sort already exists in the languages oh, I know, that right? I use. So what do you do when this happens? I call dot sort. Exactly. And then I don't worry about it anymore. Or I Google it. Yeah. Because guess what? Google is a thing, and. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> that that really should be the test, like for interviews. Right. Google right. this. If they, if they <laughs> want to get a real look into how your workday will be, yeah. Google it. Yeah. I'm wondering how many people didn't get a second callback that are actually good programmers, but because they didn't know one one-off question, yeah. they they lost their chance. That's. I, I'm gonna say it's a little crazy. I'm gonna say too many. Far too, I agree far with too many. You. I agree. With but you. that's I guess that's that company's loss. So. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. The good news is good programmers tend to land on their feet. Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, we're living in a world where um, we are in high demand. So you, you know, that's good you news know, for us. You know why they land on their feet? Oh, God. Because they're persistent. <laughs> just, like, I, just like core data. I don't, I don't know if persistent <laughs> is the right word. They're so you're saying, if, you're saying like if, if as you were trying to eat me, I threw you off a building. But if you're persistent like, enough, you're landing on your feet. Yeah. I mean, that might break my legs, but... We have so much to test. <laughs> All right. So, I don't even remember where we were. Uh, you said persistent. Oh, we... Uh, yeah. So, we've kind of gone through the implementation. Yes. We've talked about what happens behind the scenes. The stuff that you actually don't really need to worry about all that much. You know, the stuff that the framework's taken care of. Um, but let's talk about the things that... Me as a as a developer, what do I have to do to get core data to work? Okay, um, I just click I've, that little checkbox when I create a project, right? Well, that's that's something you can do. You don't have to do it. It it helps. Yeah, I actually uh, I don't recommend clicking that box. Um, I do. So I mean, as a beginner, yeah, as a, well, I okay. click the box. I would make another project, click that box, and see what comes out of it. But the reality is it's it's going to put all of your 
core data code in the app delegate, which is not a great place for it. So okay, I, so where should it go? I, I would rate, make my own classes that contain. You know, it's all about abstracting, right? Like you want to you want to make this modular. So you want to make a you know like a database type class that has uh, you know maybe a protocol that uh, you know is associated with it. Uh, that way, if you decide to not use core data in the future, you can replace that with whatever kind of database structure you want in the future. So. Uh, so I thought checking that box just generated the uh, .xc data model file. It does that. It also puts code. If you look in your app delegate, you'll see a whole bunch of code there that gets added for starting up the database, uh, creating a, a managed object context. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. All of it's yeah. right there. So uh, it is. Uh, it's, this is real time disappointment. <laughs> is, it just, <laughs> is, is this disappointment or, or uh, amazement that Stephen actually knows what he's talking about? <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit of both. I'm, what if the disappointment is that you know what you're talking about? I, I never said why I was disappointed. I feel like that shouldn't disappoint you. Mm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, no, it's, it's very true. Everything he's saying is true so yeah if you click that box like it's gonna put code in there for you which is fine uh and you're more than welcome to use that code to you know uh, cut it out and put it in a different class uh, but it and it's you don't have to have you don't have to have app delegate do that for you is kind of where i'm saying like okay you could put that somewhere else if you wanted to um and and i would recommend putting it somewhere else to be honest so but when you're getting started, that's another way to do it. It's just there's that little checkbox when you're creating yep. a project. Yep. And, and, and the, uh... don't be afraid if you haven't checked that box. Like it's not that hard to actually implement core data. So if, if that's the only stuff it does, then no. Yeah. It it just when things are abstracted out to that checkbox, it makes it feel very magical. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, if I'm I'm going to use core data, so I better make sure this is. Clicked. Yeah, but what if you've had like a project that you finished and you know it's like, you know, you spent two years on it or a year right. on it or months even, you know, uh, I don't want to go back and create a brand new project. Yeah, that would be a pain. So, <laughs> you got my and dog in Rocky there. does yeah. not either. He's he does like, not. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Apparently, there's oh, a man. an intruder. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, now that you've got Core Data started up. Um, what do we do then, Zach? So the first thing I do is I go into my XC data model file. Okay. And it's a nice little GUI. And it lets me define my entities and relationships. Okay. And this is one of the best parts to me of, of core data. It makes things super, super smooth, super easy. And there are even two different editor styles. I was, gonna, I was uh, about to say something about that. Which one do you like the most? There's the uh, the table editor and the object editor. I I kind of switch back and forth. Okay. Um, I define in the table and then I check in the uh, graph. Okay. Yeah, because I, I like to define relationships through the the object editor. Um, yeah. But yeah, usually when I'm setting up my my models brand new, I'll do it through the uh, the table editor. Yeah. So so in the table editor. Um, well, the first thing you'll do is you'll uh, create an entity. And there's a nice little button there, add entity. Like, you know, click me, yeah, basically. Yeah. So you click that, and it'll generate a new uh, 
a new entity and you go in there and you can define your attributes and you can even define you and can define the types of those attributes. Yeah, and your attributes are basically your properties on the model. Exactly. So like Exactly. And, so, and, and, I mean, and your entity is basically a class. So think about it that exactly. way. You've got a class and you have properties. They give them different names because there's a little more to them than just class and property. But if you want to think about it that way, you wouldn't be that far off course. Correct. Correct. So after um, after you define the attributes, there's a, another section where you can define the relationships. Uh, but before you define a relationship, you need to have, well, yeah, you need to have another entity. Yeah, right? you, can, yeah you can't have a relationship with yourself. Right. Uh, I've, seen, uh, I've seen some programming languages where you have, but it's really awkward. I guess I've never tried. Really but... esoteric. And it seems like it's going to be something that would make things really convoluted really quickly um but i i didn't know if you could do that in Swift, so i didn't want to bring it up i just did it <laughs> did you did it work it, i mean it it did make a relationship uh um, see and, I, and if you're in the object graph it shows a little arrow going it, out from, right back to itself right back to itself with two yeah under relationships it has two relationships yeah, it's kind of so funny. it will let you do it i don't suggest doing that i don't suggest it either um unless you really want to have some headaches later on yeah, I, don't, I don't know what that would how many problems that would cause <laughs> exactly so if you want to add a relationship the first thing i would do would be create a new entity and then um you define that entity the same way you define the first one you know give it its attributes give the types of the attributes and then in the relationship uh you you add the relationship you give it a name you give it the destination, which is, you know, what does this have a relationship to? So what, what other entity does this have a relationship to? And then it gives you um, the option of def defining it, whether it's an inverse or not. Yeah. And, it, and here's a little trick to, you know, for, for those of us who can't think that abstractly about it. Um, if you're in the object editor style, if you hold control and click on the first entity and then drag to the second entity and let go it'll create a relationship between those two entities done and that's yeah. that's basically what's going on in the table yeah um but it's you know it's, it's xcode we love control clicking and dragging yeah right? yeah this is very similar to you know when you've got an object in the inter in interface builder and you want to you know link it to your view controller so it's the same right. concept right yeah i define again i define mine in the table but that's probably more to do with the background i have where i don't have the the luxury of a, of a nice gui yeah, yeah and everything is defined you know with with words basically yeah um but i do really really like that that graph model yeah uh one thing you need to watch out for when you're defining your relationship is you need to tell xcode uh, whether it is a one-to-one -one relationship or a one-to-many relationship. And it can be a many-to-many -many relationship as right, well. Right, and many-to-many, -many, yes. Yeah. Um, because if you uh, if you forget to do that correctly, you'll end up with some issues later on when you're actually coding. Yep, totally agree with that. Um, and, you know, and I don't want to go too, too deep on this because there are a ton of tutorials out there that you can look at for this. Um, you know, what the pitfalls of doing any of these little things are. Uh, but uh, yeah, so like I, I don't want to get too deep into that. Um, again, we could spend hours talking about it. So, <laughs> right. Um, 
so what, once we have our relationships, once we have our entities, what do we do oh, then? This is this is my favorite part because it takes care of the work for me. Okay, love it. Uh, go up to editor, and then click create NS managed object subclass. Okay, what does that do? It generates the code for you. What, so what, it, what does it generate it, for us? It generates your models. Uh, <laughs> It basically so it'll generate two class per two classes per en- entity. Okay. The first uh, the first file generated will be the name of the entity plus uh, core data class dot swift, and this is basically the uh, class definition for your your entity, but it will be empty. Yeah. And uh, it'll it'll uh, extend the ns managed object class or does it implement that protocol that's uh it's a subclass of ns managed okay so it'll yeah it'll subclass the ns managed object um then the other file it generates is the core data properties dot swift file and then this is where all of the uh attributes and um different functions are defined for the entity and this well so this is an extension on the original class yeah and so, to to me, this file is the one you don't touch. Like this this file here, the one that's uh, whatever your object is called, plus core data properties dot swift. This file is the one that is generated. I would say, uh, you know, treat treat it like a generated file that it can get blown away. Um, the other one is the one that uh, the one that's just your whatever your class is called dot swift. That one you could put in your individual methods and well, whatnot. It's whatever your class is called plus core data class dot swift. That's interesting because that's not what it used to be. <laughs> I guess I'm looking at an older older project because in the in the past the, that wasn't the case. Uh, that's that's what it was with um, Xcode eight and Swift three point okay. I actually I upgraded to Swift four point today, so. Okay. Uh, and Xcode nine, I haven't generated anything today. Okay. But as of you know last month, <laughs> so which you yeah. know whatever whatever that's worth yeah. in the technology world, right? Uh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, when when I I'm mean, looking at a project that was generated quite a bit longer ago than that, so right. it's very possible that that has changed. Okay, interesting. that's interesting. Yeah, cool. Because I just have the like I've got uh, an entity called event, right? And so right. I've got event swift and event or sorry, event.swift, and then the other file is event plus core data properties.swift. Interesting. And those, but, those were both generated. But the the important thing is core data properties, that that's on both of ours, and that is the one you don't want to mess yeah, with. Yeah, don't mess with the core data properties one. Uh, yep. Yeah, unless you're adding properties to it, then you know, you've got your choice of regenerating it or adding them there. I regenerate is what I do personally. That's probably the want- easiest way. Because if I added them there, it wouldn't be reflected in that XC data model file, would it? Um, no, you'd have to do them in both places. Right. So you kind of wanted to. Well, I've done it because just, just... I, I've forgotten what generating would blow away. <laughs> and oh. And so, in order to, I mean, it would be too hard. Everything's in version control. I could figure it out, but right. Uh, it's just so much easier to like just. I added one property. Like I've got maybe twenty properties on you know a certain right. object. I can add another one right. in both places. It's not that hard. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, yeah. It sounds too hard for me. I'll just do it in the <laughs> one place and generate. Yeah. It's nice. It's, it is really nice that you can generate that because that's one less thing to think about. Yep, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So now we have our entity, entities and we have our relationships to each other. So what do we do now? Um, well, now you probably want to set up your actual database, right? Like, and right. So how do we how do we do that? I don't. Well, I mean, like what do we that, do? that does get set up when you click that checkbox. Um, yep. So you're going to end up with an NS persistent container. Um, yep. And that, if I remember this right, uh, that NS persistent container is, it holds the code that literally updates your database. Am I thinking that right? I believe so, okay. yes. And so you would make manage object contexts, that's a plural, manage object contexts. That's, that's really hard All to right. say. Yes. <laughs> from yes. from the persistent container, correct? Correct. And then, so I, I, once I've done that, that context is basically a scratch pad of what is in the database. It's, it's, it's like a copy. It's like a copy of what's in the database. Um, now I can add stuff to this context and I can change things in it and it's gonna look like it's a real database but it technically isn't until I tell it to save and then it'll save to the persist, it'll tell the persist container to save it to the database and, and then it gets saved to disk. It'll push all, all the stuff down to the disk, right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> if it is a disk. Right, if it might be, we're calling it disk. Yeah, it might not be We disk. mean persistent memory. <laughs> yeah. If, if you want to be super technical. <laughs> um, now what's interesting about this is when you make these contexts, they could be on, and we talked about thread safety. So you have to choose if you want it on the UI thread or a background thread. And that matters. Now, I would say most tutorials will probably have, you'll probably only have one context, and it will probably be on the UI thread. That's exactly where all of mine were. Okay. It is not necessarily a good idea to do that. The reason I say that is making changes to the database and saving those changes to the actual database both of those both of those things take time and right. uh, if you have if you have your context on the UI thread that can sh literally cause jitters and slowdowns on your UI so like somebody might not be able to hit the uh, hit a button or right. if they're scrolling through a table view, it might stutter. Um, so right, so you'll have a bad user experience. You might have, yeah, you might have a bad user experience, especially if you have a lot of data and you're updating a lot. Like, uh, let's say you're grabbing stuff from the internet and using that to update your your tables. Yeah. Um, that can cause problems. And so, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to get around this. Um, and I actually looked at Big Nerd Ranch's blog. They've Who got was that? Big Nerd Ranch. Oh, okay. I think, <laughs> I think I've heard of them before. Yeah. Um, they actually have a really great core data stack, and they've got a really great set of blog posts describing how their core data stack works. And so you don't necessarily have to use their core data stack. You could do like I did, where I understood it 
realized that theirs was more complex than I needed it to be, but took basically from their blog posts an understanding of it and then used that to make uh, you know, my company's core data stack. Oh, nice. And so what we use is we use a, um, the initial context is on the background thread. We then have a context from that first context on a UI thread, and then we have another one on the background thread that we update. And so whenever we get new data in that we need to change, we update the update context. And when that saves, it changes the UI context, which then saves and then pushes that to the, the final, you know, the original context that saves it to the database. And so that way all the, you know, mostly, you know, stuff that, that really slows down the, the OS and slows down mm -hmm. your threads, that happens on background threads. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, can we get a link to that that blog post in our show notes? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll throw uh, a link to the Big Nerd Ranch one in the, the show notes. And I actually wrote a blog post on how we do it at my company. And so, I'll throw that in the show notes as well. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but it, this can get really complex really fast. And I'd say, like, Doing it this way is not the end-all, be-all way of doing it, and it has caused uh, innumerable numbers of headaches because now I have to really think multi-threaded. I can't just say, oh, when I'm accessing core data, it has to be always on the UI thread. That would be really nice. No, I need to think about this. Uh, I got this object. Which thread is this object on? <laughs> and right. It gets really, really complex really fast. So one way... One way it's kind of more straightforward, but you could run into issues with the UI as your uh, as your app you know fetches and saves. Um, the other way you don't worry about that, you don't have to worry about the UI thread as much. Well, you have to worry about the UI thread, but you don't have to worry about the UI jumping um, as much. But the downside is you can crash your app if you're if you're accessing objects and other threads. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> man yep it's a hard one <laughs> yeah so i mean but at the end of the day i'm able to have a very very complex database that i can access you know like relationships around my objects really easily and make changes to those objects and it and it cascades to you know anything else that I need to do on the UI. So, right, um, it it works out pretty well for us. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess you know once you get it settled, um, that's really where you want to be, right? Yeah. Once you once you get all the the threading issues worked out, then you're in probably the best shape possible. Yeah, because when it works, it works extremely well. Exactly. Yeah. But when it doesn't, everything blows up. <laughs> yeah, it so, can be a little, that's, little tricky, a little hard to debug. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, you know, like one of the things uh, we didn't talk about was like how, like once you've got this, like one of the one of the most powerful things with uh, with SQL or SQL, depending on how you want to say that. Um, <laughs> is all the queries we can do. Uh, how how exactly. do you do queries with core data or can you do queries with core data? You you can and you do them through the NS fetch request. Okay. And then uh, that'll use an, you can use, so 
Sorry, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> use NSFetch requests to actually grab the data from the database. Okay. You can use NS predicates to determine what is fetched. So a predicate is basically going to be uh, a rule that you uh, Im- invoke on the fetch saying, you know, only bring me back data that matches this or alternatively, you know, doesn't match this. Yeah. And just to put yeah. it straightforward. And I have a love-hate relationship with NS predicates um, because A, I, I, I love that I can use the, the terminology that I learned when I did SQL statements and it's very similar to that and it makes sense to me. Yep. On the other hand, it is literally a hard-coded string. Yes, it is. Which means I get no pre-compiler help, no auto-completion, no, no... You are on your yeah, own. It's a, a runtime... If something goes wrong, it'll be a runtime error. And so yes. my app might crash because I... You misspelled true. Exactly. You're like, exactly. I show me all. I want to get back everything in my table where this attribute is true, but you spelled it T R U. Yeah. You get nothing. A great big crash. Yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And and that that is difficult. That's that's true. Yeah. But, I guess you, you might you might get nothing instead of a crash. Right, I think you get nothing because you're saying it's the string yeah. just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it won't it won't fetch anything. Yeah, is what I think would happen. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, the uh, I actually like this because I've written so much SQL in the past that it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like like I said, this is where I came from. <laughs> so. I'm I'm good with it. Yeah. But I can see how you know it, it'll be difficult. It'll be more difficult than the you know some alternative. It's just not very swifty. It's not. Yeah. It's not. And I I completely admit that. Which makes sense. I mean, it wasn't when when Core Data was created. It wasn't created when Swift was created. It was created with Objective C in mind. So. Right. Even then, I would say it's not very Objective C ish. <laughs> right. Because where yeah. are the brackets? Yeah. Where are the brackets? Where are the brackets? I mean, they used to be all around. When, when you, <laughs> you can still get the brackets. If just just make you know, create your core data stack in Objective C, and you'll get plenty of brackets. No, um. <laughs> uh, something else. So, so you can filter your data based on predicates that you define. You can sort your data using an NS sort descriptor. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about and that. And so you'll you'll give a key, and the key is you, it will be an attribute on that entity. Yep. And then you can say whether you want it ascending or descending. That's right. Yep. Or actually, I think it's just ascending, true or false. Yeah, which would be exactly what you said. One way right, you'd, you'd be descending. But you don't. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's just it's just the ascending keyword. Yeah. Or not keyword, but yeah. uh, parameter. And you can get really, really complex with all this. You can have compound predicates as well, um, yeah. which means like you can have... Like you could put logic on your predicates. You could have this predicate and this predicate, or yes. this predicate, and you could actually have yes. a co- like combination of those. So for those of you who have taken a uh, a true 
programming logic class, uh, you would love predicates. Um, oh, I do. I <laughs> so I have I have my favorite. I have a compound predicate with so it's an and predicate with sub predicates, and it's wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said. I like predicates. I, I should show you some of our predicates <laughs> that we do at work. Um, yeah, we we've got some interesting ones for for sorting and whatnot. Um, yeah. Yeah. It got fun. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you have a, if you come from a sequel background or you've written sequel in the past i feel like they're fairly easy to wrap your head around if you don't i would i would have been completely lost yeah it, well i think the hardest part with the with predicates and whatnot is it's it's kind of like a black box until you understand it until you, exactly. yeah, until you understand what's going on like you're literally typing in these strings and hoping you get a response back and then like you know and you have to run the entire app in order to see that Unless you've right. written good unit tests, um, right? And so, and even then, unit tests you're gonna have to run the app, which, you know, I, I don't quite. It's a lot of starting. Yeah, and stopping. it's a lot of starting and stopping. Um, so, yeah. Anyways. So that's that. That would be how you would fetch, you know, your data and and sort it. Yep. And so updating is when you know once you fetch it and you have it there, you can then manipulate it some way, and then you just resave it basically you just call save again right? yeah and i think that's one of the cool things about core data is like when you have fetched these objects they are swift objects after after you fetch them and you can change them yeah they're all all the the properties i think are required to be vars not lets i believe so and so you could change any of the entities on them and then once you and because it's a reference it's a class um you know, go back to which episode was that? I think two. <laughs> so, I believe two. Yeah, I think it was two. We've we've done yeah. nearly ten of these. I know it's crazy. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, you can yeah you know, the reference. It's a reference object, so you can actually like change these values, and you're changing the one object that it is a reference to. Uh, and then once you call save, it will cascade that all the way down to your database, and right. now this is officially saved into your database. Right. Yep, and that's uh, that's that's it's nice that it'll save just that object. Like it won't create a new row in that table. No, I mean you right? can you if you, you want to. You can, but if you just want to update one row, yeah, you call save and it won't create a new row. It'll just update the old Correct. one, right? Correct. Yes. Yep. 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 Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything more. I mean, we've we've kind of covered it at a pretty decent level, I believe. I think I think so. If if you have any further questions, please let us know and write us, and we'll do our best to uh, answer them. And if there's if there's too many questions, we can just create another episode. Yeah, I was gonna say we we, we did kind of fly through this, and uh, literally we could have we we Zach and I were talking about this at a time. Like we know we could have spent hours on this topic. And we debated whether or not we want to do this as two episodes or, you know, multi-parter or whatever. Um, if and you... I think we, we went a little bit longer than we had planned to, but we didn't really want to make it two episodes. Yeah. So, so. But, but if we if there's something that's confusing you about this at all, please, uh, you know, connect with us on Twitter. Um, if you're part of the uh, Swift Coders Slack channel, please ask us questions there. Uh, yes. We're happy to help. Um and uh, you know, if we get enough questions and whatnot, we we could definitely make another episode on this and go deeper into the, the specific things that are are causing people problems with with core data. 
I would I would love to. Please give me homework. <laughs> yeah, Zach loves homework. So <laughs> so ha- I mean, I honestly like I'm learning from doing it, so I am happy happy to do it. And if it's a, if it's a good enough problem, a good enough question, uh, you'll you'll probably get me to do homework too, because I'll be curious Ooh, about it. So now that's a challenge. That's the challenge right there. Get me wow. to do homework. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'll just do any homework. I'm yeah, you know it's whatever. <laughs> but if it's good enough, maybe Steve will pitch in. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. So that's that's core data, fairly high level. Yeah, yeah very high level. All right. So um, definitely want to give a shout out to uh, Learn Swift podcast. Uh, Zach, uh, who was uh, on the last episode? It was Patrick McCrory. And to be 100% honest, I have not listened yet because I'm fairly sure that uh, Stephen... The other Stephen, not you, Stephen. Oh, right. Texas, no. Texas Stephen. Texas Stephen. Right. So the better Stephen. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure. I don't know about this. He one. Sh- it's okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the one that doesn't want to eat me. Right. Uh, I'm pretty that does sure. That not make him better. That makes me. Better. <laughs> so he ran into issues as well. Um, I think he ended up getting his his podcast out a little bit later. So I haven't actually listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's also part of the Swift Coders Network of Podcasts. Um, also, uh, the Swift Coders podcast is uh, is currently in the which season three, I think. Season four, four three, three, four. I, I Anyways, know. Garrick is, I mean, has started up again, so uh, he's he's plowing through there. I don't know who his latest guest was. Uh, it was. I don't think he's put one up since we recorded on Tuesday. Oh, really? Okay. Well, there we go. Garrick, get on it. It's been a crazy week. <laughs> I don't know, but. Yeah, his other one came out. Remember, he had two last week, so maybe he just got that maybe one. Maybe that's early. what it was. All right. So, cool. Um, so, outside of that, um, if you found anything we said today to be, you know, enlightening, maybe we, we taught you a little something about core data, uh, or if you just found us entertaining, we would love uh, for you to go and review us on whichever platform you're currently consuming this on. Um, we would love to make this show uh you know into something really big and and grow our our listener base and you know spread spread the fireside swift love you know our our fire is <laughs> we want to spread the, spread the fire we want to spread the fire just everything is flames our fire right now we're at like so we went from like a, ba- a little baby campfire and we're kind of growing now we're at a larger fire maybe like you know, 10 or 15 people can be around it. I want this to be a bonfire. I want to light this thing up. And to do that, we need we need your help. Uh, please go out, you know, review us, leave us, uh, you know, five stars. That would be fantastic. And, um, you know, if you know anybody else that is considering learning Swift, feel free to point them our way. Yep, yep, yep. we're here to help. All right, so, Zach, how do we reach you? So you can reach me uh, on Twitter. My handle is zfalgu1. That is Z, F is in Frank, A-L-G-O-U-T, and then the number one. And you can reach me on the Twitterverse at at S.W. Berard. That's B as in boy, E-R-A-R-D as in dog. And the show has a Twitter as well. That is fireside underscore swift. We welcome any and all comments. Please feel free to join in on the, the madness. 
Steve is going to keep talking about eating me until someone else comments something that's more interesting. Yeah. So please, for for my sake, go go talk to us. <laughs> yeah, distract please. distract me so I I don't think yes. about that anymore. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and so we we also have a Gmail. We also have an email address, and that's uh, firesideswift at gmail dot com. Yep. Right. And that's it. That's how you can get to us. Yep. All right. We will respond as quickly as possible. <laughs> yes, as quickly as we can. <laughs> that does not mean it will be prompt, but <laughs> as yep. soon as we find the time, we will respond. There we go. There we go. So thank you all for listening. Yes, thank you, everyone, and we will see you next week. Have a good one. Okay, what are we gonna talk about now? We're gonna talk about uh, talking about my good buddy Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you see his announcement announcement recently? So I saw the tweet, like a couple tweets of it. This is like the spaceship, thirty minutes to anywhere in the world kind of thing. Yes, and like a moon colony. Wait, moon colony? Well, yeah. Let me hold on. Hold on. Let me back up a little bit. But yeah, I, no, didn't, it's, I didn't see Moon Colony. He wants to. Uh, oh, what am I looking at here? All right, hold on. Don't put this part in. Let's let's start over. Coming up after I do. Well, I, I want to come off as like at least a little bit knowledgeable. <laughs> now this is all going in. You know that, right? Yeah, that's probably true. Elon hey, everybody. Musk teases pictures of SpaceX moon base and Martian city. Yes. So like okay, so not a moon colony, but it's more fun to say moon colony than it is to say moon base. Moon, base. moon colony. That was uh, that was my band in high school. Really? No. Wow. <laughs> be awesome. That would be awesome. Band. No kidding. Uh, so yes, yes, moon base is like you know the pit stop to Mars. Oh, this makes me really think about. Um, have you played Kerbal? I've I've heard of it. Oh, you have to play Kerbal. Yeah, the space program. Yes, I mean it's yeah. like all cutesy from like the the characters on the yeah the, you know because they're you know, yeah. the little Kerbals. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is like it's disguised as like a really cool space simulator. Yeah. Or and that and sounds like it'd be right up my alley. Yeah, it's I I I played it for hours and hours and hours uh, probably like t over 20 hours before i realized there's actually a quick save oh really i had no idea oh wow so i actually had uh, there there is no or at least back when i played it um there was no tutorial yeah so it was like you start off you make rockets and you know you figure it out um, but there was a Wikipedia tutorial, which was like, they called it a historic t tutorial. Yeah. And it walked you through like the major space accomplishments that we've had. Oh, wow. So you start out with, um, I think the very first mission is they teach, they show you like detailed drawings of how to build the, the Sputnik rocket and, and you <laughs> have a Sputnik on the, the tip of it. 
you take that off and you learn how to get into orbit and it's really hard because it barely has enough thrust to get into orbit and so it's like yeah. a really really low orbit right and so like you do that and then you let sputnik go and so now you've got a little satellite flying around kerbal yeah you crash your rocket back into the planet as as you do yep and then let's see here the next one i believe was uh the first uh first man to orbit the earth which was also russian um and so you build that rocket which is a a little more powerful version of the sputnik one if i remember right and you've got a capsule on that and uh so you take that off and then you orbit that kerbal around and then you you re-enter them and you try not to kill them um <laughs> okay that doesn't sound as fun really. no it's, it's, it's a blast um literally yeah and uh and then the next one is uh and i hadn't i didn't know they did this but russia actually was the first to soft land on the moon um oh really not with a person but with a like a drone and so what they did is they uh. yeah so they so you you recreate this historic mission where you get you get into orbit around kerbal and then you actually shoot off towards the moon, get in orbit around the moon, and then you have like this one tiny little capsule that is, uh, you know, not uh, person controlled. You know, it's a computer, and you land, you soft land that on the moon, and it's got a little, yeah, it basically dies after a little while because it's just got like a little bit of power. But you know that, right. so that's really cool that like I didn't, I had no idea the Russians actually did that before. Um, United States did it, um, and then uh, the next couple missions are uh, U.S. missions. So, like, uh, what was the next one? Um, I think the next major accomplishment was Gemini. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna let you school me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think let's, it's. Let's go to class. I think it's Gemini. I could be wrong, but uh, in preparation, like the you know, obviously, like the Russians were like way ahead of uh, the United States, and so. Uh, we like our goal was like okay, so we need to land a man on moon on the moon before they do, and so we had come up with the idea of how we were going to do that with uh, the Apollo missions. And in order to execute on the Apollo missions, we had to do something that was never done before, and that was docking in space. Right. And so the entire Gemini mission series was done just so we could practice that. And so this was a really intense uh, mission. It was really, really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've watched a documentary about it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. way crazier. It's like, that's one of the crazy things about Kerbal. By the way, I had, while doing this, I had no idea there was a quick save. Um, <laughs> so, right. yeah, so if I, if I do anything wrong, I, I have to start from scratch, from ground floor, take off another rocket. Um, let's, let's start all over. All over. Perfect. And, and so, um, so you build uh, the two Gemini rockets. Uh, you launch one, get it into orbit, and you know you try to get it at a, at a certain altitude. So the the other one is you, you know you hit the same target. Um, right. You launch the other one, same orbit. You know, hopefully close. <laughs> I didn't get it close. Oh um, no! I was like. <laughs> Like, they were was like it a near miss at least. No, they were like, uh, oh. you know, the opposite sides of the planet. 
Okay, <laughs> so maybe maybe you forgot to carry a couple of digits yeah. in your math. Yeah. And, uh, and then, bad things happen. Yeah, and, and so, like, we, we, this is fine. Like, it's really not that bad um, now that I know how to do this. But when I was first doing this, and I'm like, okay, so... I just need to speed, uh, you know, I, I need to speed up to get to this guy. So I, you know, you try to boost with one rocket to get it closer to the other one. Except when yeah. you do that, you actually get further away. Okay. So, um, I'm trying to think how, so <laughs> how did you do that? And how did you put yourself in reverse? So this is one of those crazy things about astrophysics. Like, in order to go faster, you actually want to boost the opposite direction that you're going mm -hmm. because you want to put yourself into a lower orbit. Oh, that makes Once sense. Once you're in a lower orbit, you're going faster than the other one. Right. And so right. once I figured that out, I finally got, um, you know. Well, are you, if you're in a lower orbit, are you going faster or you're just, the, the orbit you have is smaller? The orbit you have is smaller, and you are going faster. Well, I, I actually I don't know if you're actually going faster, but the distance that you you're traveling is much smaller than the right. the other one, right. and so yeah, you're you're. It looks like you're going faster, right. um, and so uh, <laughs> so you do that until you get close enough, and and cl close enough is the hard part because. <laughs> At some point in time, you do want to start boosting towards the other rocket, but you gotta, right. it's gotta be a certain limit and you gotta be really careful because if you're, if you're, if you boost towards it and you're too far away, you'll run out of fuel before you get to it and you'll overshoot and you'll have a way too high of an orbit. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like you get, yeah, once you get there, you, you, uh, it's all relative at that point. So like. Um, yeah, so I got, and it, and it, it was really a really interesting learning experience for me. And I ended up getting like really understanding how docking worked and relative speeds and, and, you know, the, you know, diff, different, uh, altitudes and how that matters in, in orbit and whatnot. And, uh, again, had to do this many, many times cause I didn't have a save <laughs> and, oh my God. yeah. And so finally got those docked i was super super excited the next mission was apollo 11 and you know the whole time you're building these rockets you're like oh these are pretty big rockets like this is really cool and especially the gemini rocket was like you're using like the biggest engines that kerbal had at that point and you're like and it's like the cadillac of rockets at this point because you you get this right. the sputnik rocket up there and like that one was like so hard and like it would rock and it had all sorts of problems the gemini rockets were like like i said cadillacs i mean they right. they shot up and got into orbit no problem had plenty of fuel when they got up there because you know the whole point was that they had some fuel to to maneuver maneuver so they could dock um yep and then so so then you build the apollo the rocket or the saturn V, and my goodness is that a big rocket <laughs> Like compared to all the other rockets, like the Saturn V was like easily five times the size of these other rockets. Yeah, I mean it was just ginormous. Yeah, you know, and like I, I mentioned, like Gemini had was using like the biggest rocket you could have in Kerbal, 
Well, yeah. Saturn V, like the bottom five rockets, are the five biggest rockets you can use, and that would break down into five more of like the biggest rockets. Like, nice. It's just like insane. And plus, you had. Uh, did you have solid rock? No, you didn't have solid rocket boosters on that one. Um, yeah, it's it was just just insane amounts of of power in that thing. And so wow. you, you get it all built, and, like, you're following the directions of this wiki, and, um, you know, it's you're, it takes a long time just to build. It's kind of, it feels kind of like Legos. You're just kind of putting it all together. Right. Um, and then you get to the, the, the rocket, and you launch. And the thing is, like, the most unwieldy rocket ever. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, just, just during takeoff, it would just start to, like, sway, and I would... You know, I'd be wrestling with the stick to keep it still and, like, keep it on track going straight up. And uh, I'd end up uh, swaying too much and breaking pieces off and then, like, you know, going crashing, you know, fiery death. So maybe astronaut not the best job? No, maybe not. I mean, I've got a lot of practice now, but, you know, maybe not then. And, I mean, so when, uh, you know, like you you were talking about the link-up earlier. The link-up. Yeah, between the two. Oh, uh, the yeah, two, yeah, docking. Yeah, the docking. Yeah. Um, you know, Neil Armstrong missed it the first go round too. Oh, did he? Yeah. Apparently, things got really, really uh, hairy for a minute. So, like, they missed they missed the dock, and then um, Jim and I started to spin uncontrollably. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they were able to finally ride it and and get them try again. Yeah, get them linked. Oh. To, yeah. So I mean. See, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, at least you know yours wasn't a life threatening yeah. <laughs> and B an outer space. Yeah, it was only Kerbal threatening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're just Kerbals. Yeah, they'll regenerate. Well, they're just yeah. objects in some program, right? Yeah, 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 totally. Unless Elon Musk is right about us, and are you just an object in a program? Maybe, <laughs> possibly. What if what if Elon Musk is the Kerbal space program for someone else? Like, what if that's what he's doing right now? Like, like building a real life Kerbal, or no? Like, his you know how because you know how he believes that we're actually like plugged into in the some Matrix. video game. Yeah, 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 Matrix. So what if like he himself is someone else's Kerbal oh, space yeah, yeah, program yeah. since he's trying to get us to Mars? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. What if all of this started with him sitting down and playing that game? <laughs> yeah, could be. And it all comes back around. I I, I, I probably would play that game. Yeah. <laughs> Be Elon Musk? I'd play that yeah, game too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, that uh, Earth to Earth, you know, 30 minutes, get anywhere. Yeah, that's that'd pretty be nice. That's pretty cool. I'd swing, I'd swing by California for lunch. That's going to... We could, we could record live. We could. And you just head back afterwards. Just come back afterwards, yeah. yeah. Just, you know... Park, park the spaceship right out, you know, in front of your house. My, my thinking behind it, though, was like, okay, so 30 minutes of actual flight, right? Yep. Um, there, there's going to be only a few of these scheduled throughout the day because costs. Right. And, and it's it, not like they can take many people at once either. Yep. And space is limited. if it already takes me, like, two hours to get on a plane at a normal airport, like with all the security and all the other crap that we have to do, how long 
I mean, how early do I need to get to this spaceport before I can go? Like, it's, it's going to be like, you got to get there four hours early, right? Well, the, but that's the thing. We just said, like, you, the reason airports take so long is the amount of people. Is it? Like, is, if there's if there's only, like, 30 people on the flight in the entire airport, things are probably rolling. Well. I mean, from the video, you got to get on a boat and, like, ride that boat out to the, you know, the, the dock. And so, like... You're gonna have to. But, you have to drive to the place that has the boat. Get on the boat. Well, it goes through security. Goes through security. However long that takes. Which there might be more. There might be like whole like safety videos that you have to watch, and whatnot. Yeah, you gotta get on your. You gotta get your suit on. Yeah, you gotta get your suit on, and then you gotta go to the bathroom before you do uh, that. Though I think that's probably pretty important. Probably. I, Although, yeah, didn't they make, tell like, John Glenn to just pee in his suit? I mean, they did, but yeah. would you really, like, um, these are going to be communal suits. I would pee in mine. Uh, but again, it wouldn't be, the, the, the problem is, it's not yours. It's to, like, it's, that's... It's to give a gift to the next person. It feels kind of damp. <laughs> Squishy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, you, you got to do all that. I hope, I hope their suits are extra absorbent. And then, then you got to get on the boat, and the boat's going to take you all the way out there. And how long is that going to take? Because, like, they're not going to want it close to shore, right? Because people will get scared, and it's loud. So you got to have it kind of far away. That tells me it's going to be a long boat ride. And then you uh, then you take off and land on a, you know, barge in the middle of the ocean. Then you gotta take boat from there to. So I'm gonna guess yes, yeah, a 30 minute flight, but it's probably a five hour minimum total flight. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that, but still, I mean, five hours if I'm flying to. No, to uh, China or something like that is India, great. Yeah. Australia, yeah, like that's. Yeah. That's you're saving yourself days. Oh yeah. Like literal days. I know. I know some people I work with uh, from India, and it takes them a solid three days to get there and three days to get back. Wait, like because because of all the layovers uh, and you know connecting flights, like okay, they you know there aren't a ton of options that are super direct. Yeah, that makes sense. And so they'll be like, yeah, we had you know a whole day somewhere in Europe. Yeah. While they were waiting on a flight to... Well, that, it, that's what I hate about layovers, too. It's not like a good day. It's not like, oh, I can go out and explore Europe. No, no, that's a day that you're in the airport. You can't leave yeah, the airport. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Have you ever been to Europe? Well, technically, I was in, a, you know, Vienna airport. I was in the airport. That, uh, what was that one movie with the guy who was living in the airport because he couldn't leave for some reason? That was, uh... That was... So... That was Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, I think it was Tom Hanks. Yeah, so like... He is this could, a real... Is this, does, a, is this a true story? Is Tom Hanks just living in so, airport? I believe so, Hanks, Tom Hanks does not have good luck with planes. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's either lost on an island, yeah. or he's stuck in an airport, yeah. like... Or he's Tom Hanks. landing a, a plane in the Hudson. In the Hudson. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'd like to think that by the time he was landing the plane... Like, what if it was a trilogy? <laughs> what if that's an actual Tom Hanks trilogy? Like, the first plane goes down, and he's like, oh, God, I gotta fly again. Gets to the airport. Gets stuck in the airport for years. Well, no, oh. backs out. Backs out because he had flashbacks. Oh. The last one going down. Uh, goes through some sort of, like, post-traumatic stress thing. Breaks down. Forgets who he is. Is living in the airport yep, now. Yep. Living in the airport. 
And the only way for him to overcome his fear is to actually learn how to and fly. And become a pilot. And become a pilot. And then the plane goes down again. And then the plane goes down, but because... He's overcome every... his fear. Exactly. Yeah. And he knows, he's like, I've been in a plane that's crashed before. I know what to do. Like, I'm not scared of it this time. Exactly. I just, <laughs> I think that's the Tom Hanks trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. With, and Big is the prequel to all of it. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the unknown Tom Hanks trilogy. Quadrility. Quadrilogy. Right. Quadrilogy. Right. Quadrology? Quadrology. Quadrology, the study of quads. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, 